Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Friday, or as yours truly likes to call it, Friday, from the Strictly Stripes podcast crew. Uh, we've had a lot of fun stuff going on in the offseason, if there really even is such a thing, because there's always something going on. So maybe there really never is an offseason. I guess at least uh, until you get to like the last few weeks before training camp. But we are in full action. But we're going to sort of take a step back and uh, look at the Bengals' offense and see where it stands in respect to the top offenses in the league. And we're going to have a very fan-friendly conversation that I think will excite folks, and that is who should be in the ring of honor this year, all of that coming up right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. Muhammad Ahmad here with you alongside Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis. Before we get started, we want to remind you guys to tell us why you're a Bengals fan. We've been getting quite a few amazing responses that I'm excited to share uh, in the next couple days and weeks. And to let us know why you're a Bengals fan, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, or better yet, go to strictlystripes.com. Click on the link that says, why I'm a Bengals fan. Tell us your story. You click on it. There's a Google Doc. That's a survey. You explain when you became a Bengals fan, why you're a fan, what the Bengals mean to you. And if your answer is one of the most authentic and coolest answers out there, uh, we're not only going to share it on this podcast, we might actually have you tell the story because uh, we like to change things up a little bit around here. So go to strictlystripes.com and tell us your story. So I was looking at a list, guys, from Mike Martz, one-time Super Bowl head coach, uh, took the Rams to the Super Bowl with the greatest show on turf, was an assistant under Dick Vermeule before that, was an offensive coordinator uh, with a couple stints after that, including Mike's Chicago Bears, which is uh, another conversation. But he released a list where he predicts his top five offenses uh, for next season. He put the 49ers at number one. He put the Chiefs at number two. The Detroit Lions at number three, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles at number four, and the Buffalo Bills at number five, but not the Bengals. Uh, is first of all, what do you think of Mike Martz's list? Before I even get to the Bengals side, like, does that list make sense when you look at it, or do you think there's a lot of holes or a lot of head scratchers in his list, whether it's the teams that are in it or the order, or however you look at it? So just so I have this right, the list was in order, 49ers, Chiefs, Lions, Eagles, Bills. Yes. Yeah, the, the Lions on that list is is pretty insane. That's a um, head scratcher to me, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the 49ers on that list, like, if you if you want to argue that, you know, they're, they're a quarterback away type of situation, um, you know, if you want to say that, you know, oh, if Trey Lance comes back, you know, they can be really good. I, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, they've obviously got some pretty unique talent out there. Um, Kansas City, no explanation needed. Philly, same thing. Buffalo, same thing. Yeah, the Lions are the weird one. Um, yeah, it's a little perplexing, but um, I mean, this is the time of the year for that. I mean, you're going to see it, it's going to be you're going to you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of stuff where, you know, some betting account or some, you know, football account will say something like who's stopping this offense. And it's just a list of the quarterbacks or whatever. So 
Um, well, uh, I guess this is the time of the year for, for people to kind of make their opinions known. And some people have weird opinions. Yep. Well, it is the top five offenses from last year in terms of production. So, I mean, it's not exactly a creative list. I mean, Detroit was fourth with 380 yards per game. So um, he just switched out the order. Kansas City was first last year with 413 yards per game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, you know, it wasn't uh, – we just picked the five that were the top last year, essentially. I mean, yeah, it's just – I still feel weird about Detroit. Kansas City is a no-brainer. 49ers depends on what happens at quarterback. The Bills are a no-brainer. The Eagles are a no-brainer. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily put the Chiefs at number two. I think I'd put them at number one with respect to Bengals fans who will try to rip me a new one for saying that. I, I think the Chiefs should have been higher. To be honest, I'm not saying the Lions offense will be bad. I mean, like Mike said, they were pretty efficient last year. Uh, especially given that they started what one and six, and they were basically one forty or one Seahawks loss away from making the playoffs. I mean, they're a good team, but I don't know how I feel about Jared Goff. I just I don't know. And I mean, uh, they drafted Jameer Gibbs. We'll see what he's like. But to you know, you got to remember they also traded away DeAndre Swift to the Eagles, which is why I think they also belong in that list because he is good and he's going to help replace Miles Sanders. But uh, to kind of cut to the chase here on the Bengals side, I mean. Would you have swapped the Bengals for the Lions? Like I, I don't know. Would you even put the Bengals in that in that top five ranking in general? I mean, I would. Uh, I don't know if I would put the 49ers there either. Um, yeah, you know, I, their, their quarterback situation scares me. Purdy's like, I mean, who knows what his health is? I mean, Trey Lance has just uh, Trey Lance has just like not played football in the last like five years. Yeah, I mean, he, he barely played at uh, North Dakota State. Um, you know, I, I remember he, yeah, he's been hurt in the NFL. He had the year off. Like, it's just, it's been a real kind of roller coaster for his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put the 49ers there. I think I would put, if I had to, if I had to say, I'd probably put the chargers up there. Uh, and then the, and then the Bengals, um, I'm, I'm pretty high on the chargers. I've always kind of been, uh, we're right around that time of the year. It's like, what day we're recording this on what day, May 26th. So, I mean, right this day. is kind of the time of the year where it's like, hey, wonder what the Chargers Super Bowl odds are. wonder what their playoff odds are. And you start to, like, look at that and you're like, hey, well, maybe. And you start to convince yourself of something. And then some star player gets a debilitating injury in training camp or in week two. And then the Chargers go down. But now is the time of the year for the Chargers. So I'm throwing the Chargers in there with the Bengals. Yeah, I don't know if I would in terms of me, if you're talking about just per term, terms of who's going to be the top five in production, you know, their run game uh, scares me. I mean, they're not going to average 420 yards passing a game. Um, so, you know, you need to have sort of more of that balance to sort of get in that crack that top five. I mean, they were close. They averaged 360 yards last year. But, um, you know, I, I would be hesitant to say, oh, they're – you know, going to be in the top five just because, you know, I, I don't know how, I mean, you know, they averaged 95 yards rushing last year. Do they even get that? Um, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I mean, yeah. By the way, Andrew, you mentioned the Super Bowl odds for the Chargers. I'd say uh, looking at the latest odds, according to BetMGM, they have the 12th best odds to win the Super Bowl at plus 3,000 as of May 26th. Uh, the top five right now in order are the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, the 49ers, and the Bengals. Um, 
which, I mean, that doesn't shock me. And then, of course, there's a bunch of other teams in between. The Lions are actually, uh, they're three spots ahead of the Chargers. They're the ninth favored, ninth best favorite team to win the Super Bowl. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm actually excited to watch the Lions next year. Like, I think they will make the playoffs. I actually think they can win the NFC North because, I mean, the Packers are in a rebuild. The Bears are still, I mean, who knows, unless they shock everybody, they're in a rebuild uh, with all those guys that they got this year, um, trading away the number one pick. And then I think the Vikings will still be legit. They won the division last year. They still have Kirk Cousins and JJ, Justin Jefferson. So it's going to really come down to those two. But again, like, I mean, like Mike was saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with the Bengals rushing offense. And at the same time, we don't know what Jameer Gibbs is going to look like. I think he'll be good, but we don't know for certain. And, and even then, let's say Jameer Gibbs actually lives up to the hype. Maybe he runs for a thousand yards. He's like a pro bowler for all we know. Like, I mean, the guy, I have high hopes on him, but I don't trust Jared Goff. Like, he was not that good last year, even when he got hot towards the end. And I don't think he's going to be much better. I mean, obviously, they got Hendon Hooker, so we'll see what that project looks like. I, I don't know. I haven't really kept tabs on that, but I just don't think I would put the Lions in that list. I, I honestly, if I redid the list, I would do number one, Kansas City. Uh, I would do number two, Philadelphia. I would do number three, Buffalo. I would do number four, Cincinnati. And I would do number five, San Francisco. I mean, like, what do you guys think of that list? Or better yet, how would you rearrange that list in, in your own way? I know, Andrew, you just said yours, but, like, Mike, how would you rearrange it? Yeah, I mean, Kansas City first, probably uh, Eagles second, um, Buffalo third, you know, pretty close to what they got. I don't know, maybe uh, probably, you know, I, I, I like the Chargers as well. Uh, I'm interested to see what f step forwards uh, Jacksonville takes. Miami might be there, you know, that that group of teams. I mean, the Bengals would certainly be uh, that next tier. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think the top four, I think, is pretty clear. Um, it's just that, you know, I think that number five spots play up for grabs. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes sense. I will say this, too. I mean, obviously, I think the biggest reason why people like Mike Martz and others are hesitant to put the Bengals in that top five is – I mean, simply put, I think it's just because of Joe Mixon and not knowing what's going to happen at running back next year behind him with either Chase Brown or Travion Williams. But do you think there's anything else that could be limiting the Bengals as a top five offense? Like, do you think it could be the fact that they don't have Hayden Hurst? There is uncertainty with Irv Smith. Um, I mean, the offensive line, I think, is going to be better with Orlando Brown, but you still don't know how Jonah Williams looks at right tackle. Like, do you think those are legitimate things that – might knock the Bengals out of being a top five offense in most people's minds. No, I think, you know, what, what could do it is the lions are the team that everybody is, is really high on. Um, you know, the, every year it kind of feels like there's a team that, that people just kind of latch onto and say, okay, this year's the year for this particular team. Um, you know, that feels like the lions right now. So I don't know. I think that's just, just kind of one of those prisoner of the moment things where you, you look at the Lions and you say, wow, you know, this team can be really good. And then, I mean, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. Um, you know, if their receivers pan out and, you know, they get a decent offensive line play, they should be pretty good with the running backs that they brought in in the offseason. Um, even with Jared Goff, who, you know, again, had a really good year last year, but I'm not 100% sold on either. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think um, – I'm not sure how much, you know, the tight end position is really going to hold the Bengals back just because like if you're looking at it and you're trying to grade the AFC's offenses, like 
how many people are sitting there going, yeah, they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Burrow, but man, they don't have Hayden Hurst anymore. And that's nothing against Hayden Hurst, um, who played a who played, I thought, a pretty good role here in Cincinnati. It's just that a tight end is going to be the fourth option unless you're bringing in like a genuine stud at tight end. So yeah, I'm I'm just not sure how much that really matters. Yeah, I think um, there's skeptic, you know, skepticism, you know, because I think you saw at times last year when they couldn't run the ball um, effectively. You know, the offense stalled. Um, you know, they, they lost Samadji P. Ryan. I, I think it's fair to wonder. Um, you know, I, I know they've sort of devalued the run game here and you know focused on some of those shorter passes to sort of replicate it, but. Um, when you need you need you, know, you need short yardage. You need uh, a couple yards in the, in the in the red zone. I think it's tough sometimes that when you don't have um, an effective run game, and I think the Bengals are going to have to prove uh, again that they can they can do that. I agree with everything Mike is saying, but Andrew, there's a point I wanted to kind of nitpick where you said that you know oh I don't think people are going to look at you know oh they have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and then look at the tight end option. Obviously, those guys will come first. But I don't think you can really overlook tight end because part of why I think the Bills are on that list is, yes, you have Josh Allen, you have Stephon Diggs, their offensive line. They still have guys like Roger Saffold. I definitely get that. But, I mean, Dawson Knox is a pro bowler, and he was one of their best receivers. And you just add Dalton Kincaid, who, I mean, I thought Michael Mayer was going to go before him, but clearly they thought he was the best tight end in the draft. I mean, I don't know. Don't you think that maybe tight end is actually part of why the Bills are a top five offense? Because of Knox and because of Kincaid now? Um, well, I, I mean, if you were to say in people's minds. Well, I guess in Mike uh, Martz's mind, like looking at what he said, he actually said a, a big reason why. Like I'm reading what he said. He said they drafted tight end Dalton Kincaid in the first round. Hopefully they will have more of a commitment to running the football instead of just a few plays here and a few plays there. But he mentioned him and he mentioned Dawson Knox. So, I mean, that again, it's Mike Martz. He's one person, but maybe other people feel the same way. Like, is that enough of a differentiating factor to say, oh, the Bills have two great tight ends, the Bengals don't? Like, does that – you kind of agree with that? No, I I mean, well, first off, hilarious to say Mike Martz talking about running – hear Mike Martz talking about running. Oh, I know. Um, I know. I know. He's one of the better, you know, offensive minds in the last, you know, 20 years. Um, (laughs) No, you look at – you look at the receivers that Buffalo has, and, like, Stephon Diggs is obviously really good. But I'm taking Jamar Chase over Stephon Diggs, um, you know, and then you got Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And even if you throw Dalton Kincaid into that mix, I'm still taking the Bengals over the over the Bills skill positions like, uh, you know, T Higgins is uh, T Higgins is I think the gap is closer between he and Diggs than people think. Um, I agree. You know, and then he's I, I would take him over Gabe Davis without a second thought. Um, Dawson Knox is is obviously talented. Um, you know, I think he would be an improvement over what the Bengals have at tight end right now, but I just, I, I, I don't know how much the needles moving for me that you add a, another tight end to that offense. I, I'm just not sure that it should for other people either. Yeah, no, I hear that. But at the same time though, like you do make a point there of like, there's a narrow gap between Higgs and Dig Higgins and Diggs more than people realize. He put Chase over Diggs. Um, and, and who knows, maybe Irv Smith, I'm not saying he'll be a pro bowler or an all pro. It'd be cool if he was, but maybe he 
surprises us and actually looks better than expectations say he's going to be. Those are arguments, I think, where you can't say, oh, if you're going to squeeze the Bengals in as a top five offense, you can at least put them at number five behind whatever order you have with the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, you know, whatever you have at that top four. I think the Bengals can sneak into that top five. Uh, But when we come back, we're going to strictly focus in-house on the Bengals, but we're going to have, I guess you could say, a blast in the past. We're going to look through all 13 candidates uh, for the Bengals' ring of honor, and we're going to decide who we think should be the two nominees, or I should say finalists, uh, for this year's ring of honor class when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. But... I almost forgot. I want to remind you guys, we have a special conversation coming up with Bengals punter Brad Robbins. And I promise you, special teams guys are not as boring as you might think. Brad Robbins is an interesting guy. And we'll have that interesting conversation when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm joined by Bengals rookie punter Brad Robbins, who hard to believe you've already been here for what, two weeks now, Brad? How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, two weeks. Hey, it's flown by. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely feel really good, really excited. Uh, just happy to be around, you know, this culture. Um, I was just talking to a couple of the guys, you know, uh, who are next to me. And it's just like anytime I walk in the locker room, it's just so positive, you know. Um, just a good environment to be around and um, really excited to compete and get after it. You know, I mean, you talk about the culture. You know, obviously people might say culture is cliche, but I think there's a unique culture that you can tie with this team. And so what have you seen from that? And why do you feel like you resonate with that culture so well? Yeah, so I don't want to necessarily compare it to like Michigan and whatnot, but really I think I feel like one of the key things is developing your identity uh, not only as a player but as a team Um, and what I've seen is just like you know guys really welcoming you with open arms uh, especially like the young guys the rookies and um, just being able to have you know like productive conversations and and enjoying each other's company and really developing relationships with each other Um, that's something you know I had I had breakfast with the quarterbacks this morning right and like that that's not necessarily something that happens on every team right and guys aren't necessarily uh you know kind of into that hey, relationship man. hey what's going on <laughs> and, and to have those like kind of relationships right but i feel like that's an important thing because if you don't know your teammates and you don't know who's you know you don't know who your pp is on on uh, punt or you don't know who's you know playing on the opposite side of you as like another corner right like how can you trust that guy so um that's just my personal belief, and I feel like a lot of the guys really embody that and develop, you know, personal relationships, and it's great. I mean, you said you had breakfast this morning with the quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah, we were just chatting it up about the, the Lakers nuggets and all that kind of stuff, and, <laughs> and golf and whatnot, and Batman, all that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> like just, but just, it doesn't even matter, it doesn't have to be about football, right? So it's just about getting to know the guys and uh, developing that personal relationship. I mean, without giving away those private conversations, I mean, what is it like talking with Joe Burrow? People look at this guy from afar like he's this kind of larger-than-life figure, but here you are, like, eating breakfast with him, you know, learning from him. Like, how do you kind of describe that experience, and why is it maybe different from what other teams have by chance? Like, just to to the best of your knowledge, obviously. Yeah. Um, It's just really important to keep everything in perspective, you know. Um, Everybody just as a guy is is always trying to do their best at their job, right? That's that's kind of where the – what do you call it? The microscope. We're under the microscope in that kind of capacity, right? But really just understanding that, you know, everybody here is just a normal guy just trying to go about their business and do the best they can. And um, it's my belief that everybody's going to compete the best they can and, and try as hard as they can uh, just to capitalize on this opportunity. Um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be, you know, a member of the NFL, right? So 
um, really just capitalizing and, and doing your best and um, working hard is all you can really ask for. You know, you talked about uh, you didn't want to compare the culture too much to Michigan, but you have DJ here. You obviously have Dax here. Um, I'm just curious, by the way, before I get to what I was going to ask, how close are you to DJ and Dax, like at Michigan and now? How close are you guys? Yeah, we were close, especially well, Dax left a little bit earlier, but me and DJ, like, I mean, he'll bring the GameCube during camp and stuff at, at the hotel we stay at at Michigan. And, uh, you know, we play Super Mario Strikers together. It was me. Uh, Moody, uh, DJ, and Mike Sanders still. So we would always play two-on-two and um, definitely had that kind of relationship going forward and are able to talk to each other if, if we feel uncomfortable talking to other people, right? So we have that relationship already established. And so to that point, you have the relationship established and you guys played at Michigan together. Why is that so unique, being in Cincinnati together? Hmm. What do you mean by unique? I guess like to have that already and being in a place in Cincinnati that has the culture it has, yeah. you know, why does that make it more special, I guess, is the better way to ask yeah. it. Okay. Um, it just feels like kind of like a plug and play type deal rather than I feel like at Michigan being there from 2017 to 2022, I had the opportunity to see a lot um, and be through a lot, right? Going through 2020 and the two and four season and then going to the top of being in the college football playoff and stuff, right? So... Um, I had the chance to really develop that culture with other teammates and stuff, right? So all the, all the leaders of that team came together and kind of established our core values and what we wanted to believe in and what we wanted to chase, where it feels like at the program we're at now, we're not necessarily making as big of strides, but we're really looking to refine like the smaller details, right? So, um, you know, we're not going from, you know, people listening. I'm, I have my hands really far apart, right? So i um, not going from, like, here to here, but, you know, having my hands, like, a couple centimeters apart, we're going from here to here. Um, so it's really just tightening down the details, um, and that's something I need to do. That's something everyone else needs to do, right, just as far as doing your part and uh, being able to compete at the highest level. You're a very detail-oriented guy based on that description that you just gave with your hands. I mean, you're with a very detail-oriented guy right. like Darren Simmons. Yeah. I saw him working with you on your place holding. I saw him giving you some pointers. What has it been like working with him, and why is he such a unique coach to work with? Yeah, um, he definitely I, – I love the way he coaches. That's, like, my favorite part of being here is um, – and, and I, I pride myself on being coachable. I'm not somebody who's going to walk in here and, and know it all, right? So um, just kind of – it's a little bit like military. I like it. Um, once you get in here, you get to see all the stuff. It's like, hey, you know, you didn't fold your socks the right way. Hey, you didn't put your shirt on the right way. you got to put it on this way type deal. So really just going back to the to the beginning and back to the basics. And um, that starts with, you know, why, why do I do this game or why do I play this game? Um, I do it because I love it. Um, it gives me a platform to help others and really be a part of something special, right? So that's like my three core values starting. And then as far as technique goes, just breaking everything down back to the basics on how I, how I started punting. Okay, um, you know, looking at steps, here's what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing good, let's work on what you're doing wrong. Holding, I like this, I like the way you're doing this, but this is what you need to work on, right? So... Um, Chasing perfection is the name of the game, very much like, uh, you know, golfers. You're never going to be perfect, and there's always going to be some shots you wish you had back, but uh, at the end of the day, as long as you work hard and, and work on that attention to detail and, and pride yourself on the little things, um, I feel like at the end of the day, you've you got to be happy with yourself. My very last question to wrap up this really great conversation is, you know, you mentioned you kind of want to just come in and sort of add those final details that you mentioned the Bengals, you know, want to add, you know, in terms of being the final touches 
for a Super Bowl championship team. How can Brad Robbins be the final touch to the Bengals Super Bowl aspirations? Yeah, um, just looking at, sorry, it's a little loud. Um, yeah, just looking, you know, to what I can provide to this team, I feel like uh, a level of consistency and dependability is, is something I've, that's been kind of my calling card as a, as a person um, going since, you know, I was U8 baseball, all that kind of stuff, right? It's been, okay, steady Eddie, this guy's consistent, you know. Um, I want to be the reason that, you know, coaches and special teams coordinators and everybody can, can sleep at night. They don't have to worry about the, the punter position, right? So just, you know, the opportunity to compete and uh, be a part of this is, is such a blessing. And um, I feel like I can, you know, I have, I have an edge where I can provide that consistency and dependability. That's rookie punter Brad Robbins. Love chatting with you. This was great. I'm sure people enjoyed listening to this. I uh, appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll be hearing from you some more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. Don't go away. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Had a blast chatting with my man Brad Robbins uh, in the Bengals locker room. I'm sure we'll be hearing from him a lot more because he is a very interesting guy who I look forward to chatting with in the future, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Uh, before we get into our latest discussion on the Ring of Honor, we'll remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. It's free and in your inbox every morning. And make sure you sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service. If you want to get all the latest updates and news on the Bengals straight to your phone, where you can respond to us as well with your thoughts and opinions, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and sign up. All you got to do is click on the blue banner at the top of the page when you go to the site. And it's a a two-week free trial to start. And it's $4.99 a month after that if you stick with it. And you can text stop at any time. Although I don't think you will because a lot of people are joining us and uh, they're having fun with it. And we hope you do too. So this week, the Bengals released their uh, finalists for the uh, Ring of Honor. So obviously it's, uh, you could say, the Bengals Hall of Fame, sort of speak. It's their version of it. Uh, Last year, they inducted uh, the late Ken Riley. No, I'm sorry. No, not Ken Riley. He was inducted before that. he was inducted the year before in their inaugural class. Last year, they inducted Willie Anderson and Isaac Curtis. Willie Anderson, uh, finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, great offensive tackle. Isaac Curtis, one of the best receivers in team history. So real quick, I'm just going to go through the names on the list, 13 names who are finalists, and then I'm going to get y'all's take on who you think out of that list should be your two finalists. You have Jim Breach, who was a kicker uh, during that Super Bowl era in the 80s with Boomer Esiason. James Brook, a, a running back who was – part of those Bengals Super Bowl teams, at least the second one. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, a name who needs no further introduction. Corey Dillon, running back. Uh, Boomer Esiason, quarterback, who was also the team's last league MVP. Safety, David Fulcher. Wide receiver, Chad Ochocinco. I guess Chad Johnson, technically. Uh, nose tackle, Tim Crumry. Dave Lapham, uh, who is actually the team's current radio analyst and former offensive lineman. His fellow linemate, Max Montoya. Lemar Parrish, who is a cornerback and kick returner, tight end Bob Trumpy, and linebacker Reggie Williams. I know that was a mouthful. That was a lot of names, and I think a lot of very well-deserving names on that list. But if you had to pick your two finalists from that top 13, who would it be and why? If I had to go, um, you know, if I had to kind of make that pick, I I would take uh, Chad Johnson, uh, first, I think when you kind of look at his 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 production, uh, you know he's the he's he's the franchise's all time leading receiver um, in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns, in terms of receptions, in terms of targets. 
Uh, he was just, he was, I mean, obviously an outstanding player when he played and uh, you know, he, he kind of put, not to say he put Cincinnati on the map, but you know, when he was there, he was one of the most entertaining players in the league and, you know, just kind of for his play style, but also his personality. So I think that he kind of, you know, he just brought a lot of eyeballs to the team and, you know, he was, he was one of the team's best players and one of the least best receivers for a long time. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think I would go with uh, Chad Johnson first. Um, second is harder. I, I, I lean Boomer Esiason. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you kind of look at some of the numbers that he put up, he was in Cincinnati for 10 years. Uh, he was obviously very successful. You mentioned he won an MVP here. I think that, um, you know, that should carry some weight. So I would go Chad Johnson and Boomer as my two. Uh, I, I, I could also be convinced into, into Dave Lapham. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, radio color commentator, just because, you know, obviously he, uh, you know, he had a pretty successful career. Um, you know, he was in Cincinnati for a while. I think he played like 140, 150 games or something like that. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who was obviously here for the long term, played for a while, was in some historic games, uh, and I don't think this can be kind of understated. Uh, you know, he's a part of the team's radio broadcast now. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's who's just kind of been a Bengal for life. Um, and I think that that should matter as well. So I uh, I would say I, I would go with um, Boomer Sison and Chad Johnson, but I, I could I could see a case for Dave Lapham as well. Well, uh, since it's up to the fans, I, I said on our subtext that I think the four most likely are those three plus Chris Collinsworth, because, you know, those are the most visible um, Bengals currently on the like the football landscape. You know, Chad Johnson's a regular at home games. Um, you know, Boomer Esiason has his own radio shows on CBS as well. Uh, Chris Collinsworth obviously is, you know, one of the top analysts in, in the league and has the high profile Sunday night slot. So, I mean, if you're going to pick four that are going to be front runners, I would think it's those guys. I would go with Esiason, um, you know, that Super Bowl appearance and MVP season was, you know, I think the best individual achievement on the list. And then Chad Johnson as well, just because of his overall production. Man, those are all good options. I mean, like Mike said, the, the names you mentioned are the most visible. So naturally they're going to get the most attention. Um, and that's not taking away from the other guys. Like, I mean, Tim Crumry is one of the best nose tackles in team history. Uh, you know, Max Montoya, probably the best offensive lineman in team history, not named Willie Anderson or Anthony Munoz. Like, um, and he was an interior guy, so you could actually say he was like the best interior lineman in team history because obviously Anderson and uh, Munoz played outside. I don't know. I just think for for just what we know and just for the sake of who's got the most spotlight, I think I would personally go with Boomer and Chris. I mean, because I think you look at it as, I mean, that was a duo. Like that was an iconic duo that Bengals fans remember for the better back half of the 80s. It was a duo that you know, went to the Super Bowl. And obviously, I mean, that wasn't his main target. Eddie Brown was his main target that year. They went to the Super Bowl and played the 49ers. But Chris Collinsworth was one of the few players who played in both of the Bengals Super Bowls in the 1980s. So he played uh, with Dave Lapham in that first Super Bowl. Um, and obviously he played with Boomer in the second one. And I think just naturally, I mean, I'm not saying his post-football career is better than his actual football career, but I mean, he became well more known after he became an analyst. So He's definitely done very well for himself, and I think you can't overlook that as well. Um, and then, like I said, Boomer Esiason, I think, is the best franchise quarterback the Bengals have had not named Joe Burrow. No offense to Andy Dalton or Carson Palmer. I mean, they have their own place in team history, but like Mike said, that MVP season he had, 
it, it was the most recent one that any Bengal has had. And I think only Joe Burrow has come close to winning an MVP, you know, in that span since uh, Asai is retired. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to give the nod to Boomer and I'm going to have to give it to uh, Chris Collinsworth. I will say, though, I, I think you have to give an honorable mention to Montoya and Crumry. I think in the future, assuming that, like, Johnson or Esaiazin or Collinsworth, like those names Mike mentioned, if they get in, I think you have to start looking at Montoya and uh, Crumry. I mean, Crumry, I think, is top five in a lot of stats among Bengals defensive tackles and team history as far as like sacks, tackles, specifically by a D tackle. I know Geno Atkins pretty much surpassed all or most of his records. So who knows? In a couple of years, Geno Atkins will be on that list since he's retired. Although it feels like yesterday I watched them play. Do you guys give an honorable mention to anybody else we didn't mention off that list? Um, I mean, those were the guys that I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I. Jim, Jim Breach is actually an interesting one. Like I, maybe he's actually maybe I'm over exaggerating this, but I think he's actually pretty slept on. Like he's very well known in Cincinnati, to the best of my knowledge. I think at the time and even now he's still a fan favorite because this is a fan season ticket holder type vote. So I I could see him getting some consideration. Yeah, you know I I could kind of also if you just kind of you know if you look at the stats, I, I also think Corey Dillon's up there as well. Um, you know, he, he made a couple of pro bowls in Cincinnati. Uh, I know he didn't, you know, he, he left and immediately won a super bowl, but, uh, you know, he's the franchise's all time leading rusher. He rushed for a thousand yards, like almost every season he's been here. Um, or he was here. I think it was like all but two. If, if memory serves, I was actually just looking at that the other day for something else. Um, but you know, Corey, I think I, I would give kind of an honorable mention or a, a tip of the cap to him for that. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And it, it just sucks for him because, like, he played so well, but the Bengals were just so god-awful, so god-awful while he was there. I mean, because he was with that 2-14 and 14 team that is what allowed him to get Carson Palmer. Um, he even voiced his frustrations at time, and he even said in his own words, literally word for word, we will never win with the Brown family in Cincinnati. So he, he was vocal. He didn't hide his feelings, and obviously he was traded before he won a Super Bowl, so... Um, maybe didn't have the best of terms in Cincinnati, although he had a great career. But I'm sure the fans will definitely honor that. Yeah, I don't know. David Fulcher is another sneaky one, but I, I think Fulcher kind of ranks in that bottom tier. Not because of him, but this is just a very talented list, man. There, there were some good players. They were all some good players back in the day. Uh, I think you could even say Reggie Williams was one of the best linebackers in team history, but you know he was never really made any accolades beyond like his stats. It wasn't like a all pro pro bowl guy so sucks for him but hey, I mean, they'll, they'll all get their chance that's why they're on the list stay with us we are going to oh actually wait i wanted to ask you guys this um because speaking of memorial day i was about to say we will not have a podcast on memorial day because we're going to be busy uh enjoying ourselves just like everyone else which is why i wanted to ask you guys do you have like any i mean this, this might sound funny but like do you have any memorial day traditions do you do anything on memorial day or is it just sit at home grill do whatever like what do you guys do anything just nothing not nothing is something sit at home and relax can't beat yeah, that well it just kind of depends <laughs> um you know I, I i grew up obviously i think i've mentioned this before i grew up in northern virginia right outside dc so i've been to um you know i've been to, there's a parade in dc um you know I, i've been through i've been to the parade in dc a couple of times um so that was cool um 
you know, this year I'm, you know, just kind of taking it easy. I'm going to a, a, a NASCAR race in Charlotte, uh, praying the weather holds out. Um, so, you know, you just, I just enjoy the day typically. Uh, you know, one, it, you just get to a point where it's like, ah, it's too hot outside to do anything besides just, you know, drink beer and grill food. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. enjoying the time away is, is going to be nice. Yeah, we're not in elementary school. Like, life goes on. I mean, my yeah. works. I mean, it's not like you get, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't really have any traditions. I'm I'm just, I keep it simple. I just, I enjoy myself. If there's a baseball game on TV, I'll watch it. Probably not the Reds because of how god-awful they are. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I mean, I like to grill anyway, so it just gives me an excuse to grill. But I wanted to ask you, Andrew, you said you're from Northern Virginia. What, what city in Northern Virginia did you live in? Did you grow uh, up in? Sterling. It's in Loudoun County. How far is that from Arlington? Uh, like 30 minutes. Um, fairly close. Uh, I commuted there for a little bit uh, back living there, so it was, it's not bad. Okay, I was going to say, speaking of Memorial Day, have you been to Arlington National Cemetery? I So I actually never have. Um, you know, I, funny enough, I, I lived there for, you know, pretty much my whole life, and I, I never I never was there. Um, you know, I've, I've never been there. I've, well, I've never been to, I'll, I'll, I've never been to, like, the grave sites. Um, you know, I've never done, I've never done that. I think one year my mom did something. Where it was like you go lay Christmas wreaths on um, tombstones, um, but yeah, I never, I never, I never went. Um, I went to the tomb. I'm trying to think. I don't know if the tomb of the unknown soldier is. I think that's in Nash- Arlington National Cemetery. So I, I guess I think, I think it is. There. I think it is. Um, yeah, I, I think I went there actually on a Memorial Day. Um, I went to the tomb of the unknown soldier. So I, I did that. I j- I've never been to like you know, all the, um, the, the grave sites and everything like that. But so, yeah, I guess I have been. Let's say I heard it's actually, uh, it's a very interesting place to visit. I've never been to the DC area, but if I ever go, I definitely want to check it out. I, Cause I know another interesting spot there is, uh, the eternal flame where president John F. Kennedy is buried with his, his family and relatives. So that's kind of interesting. I've, you know, just want to see that. Cause, cause I mean, basically the flame, I don't think with like one exception, I don't think it's ever gone out since, he was buried over almost what sixty. It'll be sixty years since he was assassinated. So that is pretty crazy. But yeah, no, I was just curious because you said Northern Virginia, and I thought of Memorial Day, and I put the two together. But that that's kind of cool. Um, stay with us. We're gonna enjoy our Memorial Day, uh, celebrate those who served, and we will get back with you all on Tuesday with another line of great discussions involving the Bengals. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Amon. Enjoy your weekend.